So good morning on our last day together. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about bringing the practice home, even though you are home. So bringing it into your daily lives. Regularity of practice is important for developing the concentration we need for deepening this practice. For those of you who it's challenging to have a regular practice, you might give some thought to how you can create a support for it. In a similar way that a retreat is a container that supports our practice, we can create a support similar to that in our daily life. These are some things that I have found helpful over the years. Having a special place to meditate doing it at the same time each day if possible. Um, This is using the power of conditioning. You know, you um, don't have to remind yourself to brush your teeth anymore, I think. Most of you remember it just kind of, you know, you, you eat, you brush your teeth, you take care of yourself that way. And so you have your same little place where you meditate and you show up every day and it just becomes something you do. You don't have to think about. Um, When I first started developing my practice, I used to find that uh, every time I went away from home, it would disrupt my schedule if I traveled. And um, so I took to um, carrying a portable altar with me. And a friend gave me a one-inch Buddha. So I had a one-inch Buddha and a little pretty cloth, you know. And if I was at a hotel, I would just put in the corner of the room. That was my special place. So it can be a a flower, anything that kind of inspires you, a little something. Um, One of the really helpful things is sitting with others, you know, if possible. Some of you are so fortunate to have local sanghas that offer day-long retreats, half-day retreats. But now there's some a lot of those online. So um, it's a lot easier to sit with others these days. Having friends who practice is really wonderful also. Um, Some people have a meditation buddy. And uh, some years ago, um, I mentored a couple of friends. They were in different states. And every morning, they would call each other and on the phone, you know, they'd say, okay, I'm going to sit. And okay, me too, and hang up, you know, and then they'd go sit. But they did it every day, you know, it was really helpful to to both of them. Um, You know, some buddies meet weekly, different ways of doing it. Uh, Some people have found it helpful to use, uh, there's an app called the Insight Timer. It's the one I use for ringing the bell. And um, and it lets you see who else in the world is meditating with you right then and there. And sometimes there's thousands of people. So some people have found that really inspiring, that when you're sitting there, all these other people are, are doing the same thing. Another thing that I mentioned yesterday um, that I think is really important important is to connect with our deepest intentions regularly to keep us focused on what's important to us. 
most of you have been listening to Dharma Talks. I think uh, a lot of you have come here from Dharma Talks. Um, inspiring reading. Uh, some people find it helpful to keep a meditation journal. So find out what works for you, what inspires you, what supports you. It's really helpful to really consider it, you know, what, what is really going to uh, uh, give you an ongoing sustenance this way. And as I mentioned yesterday, you know, when we sit regularly, it makes it a lot easier to be mindful during the day. And when we're really mindful during the day, it makes it a lot easier to settle in when we meditate, when formally. And the skill of being mindful in daily life is a little bit different than being mindful when there's no stimulation. You know, it's just what's inside us, you know. But in daily life, there's so many different things that we, we meet. Um, so I'd like to um, recommend you know, if you haven't done anything systematically, uh, to begin with a commitment to be mindful of one activity every day. And this is a little bit how I build my own mindfulness and daily life practice. Um, I committed to being mindful every time I brushed my teeth, just two minutes. And I would pay attention to where the brush meets the gum, right at that point of contact, or the dentist tells you to and one tooth at a time um, and two minutes you know two three times a day and um, and did that for a month you know then when that was really stable and that felt like oh yeah that's easy I've got it you know then a month later later I added one more activity uh, for myself, I, I love water, you know, especially warm water. So I did, um, I started building every, my activities with things where I had contact with water, like shampooing my hair mindfully. So just about, you know, 30 seconds, uh, washing dishes mindfully, which with our current drought here in the West, um, being mindful of anything we do with water is particularly helpful, not just for mindfulness before or just very needed conservation. But as I added more activities, eventually mindfulness in daily life became kind of more woven into my life. And that's something that I was doing as an exercise anymore. So I'll mention a few other things that have been particularly helpful for me for over the years. Um, one that I, I really liked is the uh, acronym BRO. I don't know if you've heard this before. BRO stands for Breathe, Relax, Open. It's like a brother that's always there to support me. It's something we can do throughout the day. Just at any moment, do it right now. Take a deep breath. Breathe and relax your muscles fully. And you open to what's next. It takes one breath. You can do that anywhere, anytime. Um, you know, you at the airport, at the uh, in the car, anytime. Um, another thing that I did at a, after a long retreat that uh, I was very inspired to is I decided to uh, be mindful every time I got up from sitting. 
especially, you know, I, I have the tendency at the computer to just get totally sucked into my work. And, and sometimes I'd sit there for really long periods. And, um, and uh, I started doing this every time I got out of any sitting posture from anywhere. And maybe I'd only walk 10 feet to the bathroom, 20 feet to the kitchen. Uh, but that was walking meditation. Uh, and throughout the day, you can get probably at least a couple hours of walking meditation just by uh, all these in-between moments, walking to the car. Um, and it's not slow. It's just being in the body, just disengaging from more concerns and being in the body. And um, I'm going to offer a couple more things. Um, some year, couple of years back, you know, I, I, the project I was working on required me to manage over 100 emails a day, you know. And uh, when I came back from a retreat once, you know, I, uh, I began responding to the emails and got an instant headache from, uh, from staying in my computer for so long. And so I took a little time to really consider what, could, what I could do to make uh, this what felt like a burden you know, um, feel, be more wholesome for me. And um, so what I started doing then, and then I've, I've kept it my, you know, for years and years. Um, um, every time I write an email, I take a moment to connect with the other person at the other end. And uh, even if I don't know them, you know, how I imagine them. And I smile. And uh, that creates a really wholesome feeling in me. And, um, and if the stress of doing a lot of email uh, just really diminished quite a bit. Um, and one more thing um, I'd like to offer is um, transform waiting into mindfulness practice. All those moments in our life where we're standing in line, we're waiting on hold or uh, sitting in gridlock. It's so much time to practice. So really appreciate all this extra time you have. And, um, and actually, this is really, lastly, I just want to uh, suggest that, you know, as you leave the retreat, to get the most benefit from the retreat, it's helpful to treat the next few days as an extension of the retreat, to not jump fully into your devices, to limit how much email you might do, maybe 15 minutes, and then just go do something else. You know, maybe take some long walks. In particular, it's, I think it's really important to avoid what, what we call these days doom scrolling. Uh, so I would recommend you limit uh, how much news you get. Um, and return to our daily activities gradually and deliberately. So that's, uh, thank you. That's what I wanted to share. And um, Diana will, um, I, I think she's going to share a few things that have been helpful to her. Thank you, Inez. And maybe I'll say, as the recipient of some of your emails, I could feel the smile in them. There, there is a kind of this uh, uh, a warmth to them. So uh, uh, 
I don't know. Just thank you for sharing that. I didn't know you were doing that practice, but I have been the beneficiary of it. So thank you. Yeah, so a lot of the things that Inez spoke about, I was thinking that I might speak about too. So I won't uh, repeat them, but maybe I'll just add just a few things here. One, if it's possible for you, if it makes sense to sit outside, to meditate outside, and or to do walk-in meditation outside, there's something about the bigger vistas, the hearing of the birds, the feeling of the breeze, that can really remind us of the changing nature of our experience and maybe bring some lightheartedness or some spaciousness into our practice so that our practice can have some buoyancy to it so it doesn't feel like a drudgery. So I'll say that I have meditated in public spaces and parks and these days I think meditation is just, you know uh, enough mainstream that maybe if people see you meditating they might think like oh yeah I should do that I should meditate. It just might remind them of their own wish to meditate and maybe you'll be supporting somebody in their practice. So that's one thing that I'll add. Another thing that I'll add is in this, the ancient Buddhist literature, it talks about like what, what is a support for mindfulness practice? There's a number of them, but one in particular I'd like to point out is What's a support for having some mindfulness is having a previous moment of mindfulness. (laughs) And you might think, well, that's not very helpful. But it's just pointing to this idea of drop by drop, that there is this momentum that can get built, even if it's just these short minutes, as Inez was saying, 10 steps to the bathroom, 20 steps to the kitchen. These things really do condition the mind, make a certain groove in the mind of plasticity that makes it easier and more likely that we'll be mindful later. And having done all these maybe short moments of mindfulness, getting up from the chair, brushing one's teeth, whatever it might be. I'll say that I've done these two also in as those very ones and getting up from the chair is a tricky one because often we're getting up from the chair because we have an idea. Oh, I need to go do that thing now. So that's a really rich place to practice. But getting back to this idea of one moment leads to the another moment is to maybe build on what I said earlier. It's never wasted these moments of mindfulness. And not only do they help build momentum, but then it makes it more likely that mindfulness will arise when we need it. When we're in a stressful, difficult, uncomfortable situation, the more the mind and the body has familiarity with becoming mindful or being mindful, the easier it is. That or to find, have access to mindful when we need it the most. So, and sometimes we're practicing for the difficulties that, that all that arise in everybody's life. All human lives have this, have some times when we can use some mindfulness and opportunity to allow our greatest wisdom to arise. 
maybe one uh, another thing that I'll share is that I often, and I've advised others or suggested others to sometimes when we feel like we're just a little bit overwhelmed and can't quite think straight or whatever's happening. So just feel our feet on the ground. Just incline our mind. That's simple movement. You can do this while you're in the midst of a conversation. You can do this while you're in the midst of a heated debate. Or, But something about just feeling our feet on the ground is grounding and stabilizing and helps kind of disrupt the momentum that the mind is going, the, the story making, the projecting into the future. So if all those fails, no mindfulness exactly, but just feeling our feet on the ground can be really, really supportive. And maybe one last thing. especially coming off a retreat, there there will be a certain momentum to our mindfulness practice. And, And it might just spontaneously arise when you're doing something else. When you didn't set the intention to be mindful, but you just notice, oh, here's mindfulness while I'm opening this envelope, while I'm putting the dishes away while I'm straightening up the counter. When you notice that these moments of mindfulness, this feeling of being embodied, this feeling of really being present has just arisen seemingly spontaneously, just take a flash of a moment to appreciate it. Oh, yeah, mindfulness, here it is. Yeah, it feels like this. We don't have to stop what we're doing, but just to allow our um, mind and body just to get more and more accustomed and used to and appreciating when those moments of mindfulness do arise. And again, that'll make it more likely that it will arise. So to maybe savor just for a short moment the experiences when they are arising. So these are some of the ways in which we can bring our retreat into our daily life, not because we're clinging and holding on to and having expectations that we'll be mindful in just the same way as we were in retreat, but just to use the momentum that we've been building, that we've been creating, and use that as a support as we make this transition off of retreat. And maybe I'll um, end with, um, I'll just want to take a moment to appreciate what a beautiful thing we've been doing. It's for me personally, it's very meaningful that people come together to practice, that we support one another in subtle ways and in obvious ways. And also my appreciation kind of grows out to IRC. As you know, IRC is 100% volunteers. So practitioners have felt this appreciation and they've expressed it through creating these fantastic website we have for our online retreats. 
for IRC not missing a beat when the pandemic happened. We just rolled right over and started doing online retreats for managers coming together, volunteering their service. We've been so fortunate. We have Ying, Stan, and Mario Line. All three of these managers have a tremendous amount of practice. This is just their way of expressing their appreciation of the Dharma, of the, of the appreciation of practicing with other people. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I feel touched by this. Uh, the care and the warmth, even like behind the scenes, I'm, I feel this support and care and warmth for everybody who's making IRC come together, whether we're online or, as you know, we'll be opening in person in August. That's the plan, right? We'll see what, you know, we're reserving the right to change the plan if we, if uh, it seems like that's the wise thing to do. But so I just wanted to take this moment to express what I, it's a, an amazing confluence of events and people and expressions of goodness that come together that allow IRC to arise. So I'm going to turn it over to the managers, our wonderful managers, in just a moment.